You're listening to Career Up Now Socially Distanced Close-Ups Podcast. Today, we're joined by Gil Barron, who is a comedic producer and produces an amazing uh, show called Your Late Night Show Tonight, who's an incredibly creative producer who produces Your Late Night Show Tonight. Gil, welcome. Hi, thanks for having me. Yeah, it's good to have you here. Actually, you're one of the first producers that we've had, especially comedic producers. So thrilled about that. It brings laughter and happiness into the world. So share with me, how did you get to where you are today? I grew up here in Los Angeles, loving comedy, loving watching all sorts of comedy. And the first thing that I ever did, you know, I was at a high school that had a video kind of department. So I got to make a short film while I was in high school, which really got me on my way to, okay, how do we do this thing? How do we make this real? You know? And I remember my first year of college, an AFI student film was shooting on my street. If you don't know, AFI is the American Film Institute here in Los Angeles. And one of their student films was shooting. And I literally walked over and said, I've always wanted to work in movies. I've always wanted to make movies. How do I do this? And the producer took me under their wing and made me a PA. And for the next two years, I, while I was in junior college, I was uh, PAing and ADing on uh, AFI films. ADing means assistant directing. And I went to Cal State Northridge for film. I got my degree there. While I was there, I was an intern. What did I intern? I interned just for a producer. So I learned a lot about independent producing uh, and script reading. And that was like one of the biggest educations during college. Uh, Right after college, my first job was working for Bob Zamuda, who um, Bob Zamuda was Andy Kaufman's writer and best friend. If you've seen the movie Man on the Moon, Paul Giamatti plays him. And he was famous for doing this charity show throughout the 80s and 90s called Comic Relief. And Comic Relief, if you don't know, it starred Billy Crystal, Robin Williams, and Whoopi Goldberg for all 20 years that it existed. And they raised money for the homeless. And the very last year they did it was in 2006. And they brought me on as an assistant. And that was amazing because I was learning the comedy business from real, real comedy insiders. Like, uh, obviously, Bob was one of the executives there, people who had worked for him for a long time. And one of the other executives had previously been a manager who had discovered Jimmy Fallon and had worked worked for uh, Adam Sandler and so had been around a long time. So I was really learning comedy as a business very up close and personal. And it had us going... We were at the Hollywood Improv every single night because we were right near there. Our offices were there. And that was such an education to get to know people who do comedy professionally. And there are still people that I work with today that go back to me meeting them in 2006 um, just being this bright-eyed kid at the Hollywood Improv who, you know, just able to drink or whatever, you know. So that was really getting into comedy like that. And after that, the only thing on my resume was comic relief, so it was hard for me to get a job. So I wound up taking another internship just to make sure I was still building my network and getting to know people. And uh, a friend of mine was working at Marvel Studios and got me an internship, a development internship at Marvel. So this is like during Iron Man and Hulk, and I was there for two semesters. I literally went back to the community college. I took one unit so that I could be at Marvel three days a week for free. 
Um, <laughs> and so I was there. I was uh, working on some of the pre stuff for uh, Captain America and Thor. That's what they were kind of in production on at the time. And that was a great experience, too, because it was really learning. I mean, I've been a comic book fan since I was a little kid, so it was a really big thing for me. And I got to um, organize the Iron Man cast and crew screening. So it was one of those things where, like, people give you opportunities. It was a small up-and-coming company at the time, and they're like, hey, take on a bigger responsibility. And I got to do that and prove my worth. And so when that internship ended when the second semester of it ended they were of course like well you're not going to work for us again you can't intern a third semester that would be crazy for you because i was already out of college you know so they helped me get a job at universal and i worked as the second assistant to the president of universal for another year and a half yeah i was i was second assistant that whole time which was you know, it's just interesting how like incremental the rise is because I went from longtime assistant to longtime intern to second assistant. I was like, okay, this is less responsibility than being like the assistant assistant, right? So I got to watch all of these professional Hollywood assistants doing what they do, which is a very particular kind of set of skills before I even I ever really had to be in the driver's seat. So I was there for about a year and a half before I left. And kind of an interesting thing happened, right? Because I was at Universal Pictures, one of the biggest feature film companies in the world, one of the biggest media companies in the world. And the guy I worked for was more of a business affairs, legal side kind of person. And I was like, well, what do I really want to do in my life? And I started really honing in on comedy because that was the thing I always loved. And, you know, this was around 08, so... It was sort of the rise of uh, Lonely Island was coming up. So I was learning about comedy as a community. And it's it was a repeat of the lesson I had learned at Comic Relief also. And so someone offered me a job working on the Sarah Silverman program uh, as just the post-production assistant. And I was like, yeah, I will go do that. It's a little closer to what I want to be doing. And I called up the assistant at Comedy Central at the time. If you don't know, when a TV show is on the air... There are executives at the network who are in charge of that show. There is a production executive and usually a current executive. Um, at Comedy Central, both people, both jobs are handled by one person. So I found that person on the call sheet. I called up that person's assistant. I said, I want to take you to drinks. I want to get to know you. And the person took me out to drinks. And we were talking about comedy as a community. And he was like, here are some things you should do. You should go take UCB classes. You should go meet comedians. Because that was my big epiphany at the time, was that comedy is a community. And, you know, I know that the next question is, what's the advice for young entrepreneurs? One of the things that I learned very early on that was very important to me was that whatever you want to do in your life, there is a community for that. If you want to be an engineer, there are engineers out there who go to engineer bars. If you want to be a if you want to be a brain surgeon, there is a place where all the brain surgeons get together and play pool on Wednesdays. I know it sounds silly, but it's true. And the same thing for comedy. So it was like go to these comedy theaters, UCB, Second City, Groundlings, whatever, and become part of that community. And so that's what I did while I was at uh, Sarah Silverman, I was taking UCB classes. I got involved with a community called Channel 101, which still exists in LA. And at the end of that season of Sarah Silverman, the guy who I took to drinks, he called me and said, 
you know, I'm moving on to another job. You should take my job. And I know that sounds very lucky, but it was also a matter of really opening up and talking to him, making sure that he was in my network and that he, uh, it wasn't just get to know him and leave. It was keeping him apprised of what I was doing and what I wanted to be doing. So then I worked at Comedy Central for two years as an assistant. And the shows that were under my boss's purview were Tosh.0, Key and Peel, uh, Workaholics. Those shows were sort of the, the purview of my bosses. And then after two years, I was like, I want to do this. I think I can start to produce. I got to know everyone. You know, I was still taking classes uh, at like UCB and Groundlings. I was still going to the Hollywood Improv uh, every night just to see shows. Because I wanted to be in comedy, it was like, now's the time. Now, while I'm young and I have the energy to do it, I was at every single comedy show that there possibly could have been. And so I left. I started producing sketch groups. Uh, one was called Monster Party, and that did really well because it had some sort of bigger name uh, comics, people who've gotten bigger since then. And we won some awards performing around. And then I got asked to produce a live late night talk show called It's Past My Bedtime. It was just an independent little show around LA that I was doing and was having fun. And I came on just to be a writer. Nobody had ever asked me just to be a writer before and I was excited. But clear, but after a month it became clear that I was a producer. So he was like, yeah, you're going to be a producer on the show. Uh, I also came on to a show called The Goddamn Comedy Jam, which was a stand-up and music show that eventually got on Comedy Central. Uh, one of my writers on It's Past My Bedtime ended up being the head writer on the CBS Diversity Showcase one year. So he's like, you got to come write for the CBS Showcase this year. So I did. Uh, and that was really crazy. It was sort of before um, they made their changes to make that a better program. So it was sort of 80 writers in a basement at CBS. So it was kind of a kind of a slog, but it was really fun to do. And the biggest name to come out of that year of the showcase is Ego Notum. She's on SNL right now. And so I had been doing, like I said, I'd been doing the goddamn comedy jam. I'd been doing past my bedtime. I was doing a CBS showcase, and this is all 2015, all in the same year. And I even produced. UCB asked me to produce their first digital series. So we did a 40-page script on $4,000, which I'm very, very proud of, and it was all at the same time. So I got to be very, very busy that year, and around 2016, um, this new theater opened up called the Pack Theater, and they asked us, uh, myself and my uh, partner Ben, they asked us to make a show for them. They wanted to do a late night show because we knew late night pretty well. Uh, from doing Past My Bedtime, and also I had a YouTube show called Sports Break. So we knew that format, and so we decided we wanted to do something with a different comedian host every month. And uh, for four and a half years now, close to five years, every single month, every 30 days, we develop a different talk show uh, around a different comedian, around their personal voice and point of view and comedic style and who they are as a person, just to toot the, the horn of the show, but I'm going to name some hosts we've had. Because it's all based on reputation. You know, in the first year, it was me digging into my contacts, and by year t years two and three, people were like, I've heard of this show, I've been a guest on this show maybe, or I've heard about it, a friend of mine did it, I really want to do it. And so many amazing people did this show 
completely out of the kindness of their hearts. People like Alonzo Bowden and uh, Jerry Minor from Saturday Night Live, uh, Drew Drogi, Colton Dunn from Superstore, uh, El Jefe from NoFX, Jade Catapretta from The Soup. So we've just been really, really grateful that people have believed in us enough to come and spend a month doing this show with us. So what happened in December, uh, a friend of mine uh, who I've known forever called me up and was like, uh, I know about your show. You know, clearly we're in pandemic times. You're not doing this show live. You know, when the pandemic hit, we very quickly moved on to Twitch um, and we're pretty happy doing Twitch. It was the same theater. It was via the pack. And by the way, if you're if anyone of your students is interested in comedy, go check out the packtheater.com. They have online classes, uh, some of the best improv and sketch teachers in the world. Uh, it's totally worth your time. So we were on Twitch uh, throughout the summer, and in December we were invited onto a new platform called Nowhere Comedy Club, which was Zoom-based, and we moved on to Nowhere, and we did four shows there. And now this coming month, uh, we were asked to move onto a slightly larger platform that we are hoping is going to give us um, more exposure around the world, called RushTix, R-U-S-H-T-I-X. So... We're just really excited for those changes, and we just started a new uh, show, a new game show called Pop Cultured that uh, Jimmy Pardo, who's a famous comedian, he's going to be the permanent judge of that show. Uh, so, so those are the things I'm very busy with at the moment. If I had to track a linear thing, it was about being open and wanting to wanting to help creatives find their voice because that's what television development is all about that's what feature development is all about it's about talking to a writer or a director and helping them to get out of their own way the thing i always say about producing is that producing is the process of dragging people kicking and screaming to their own success and that's what it is <laughs> wow that is quite a rise incrementally and then you see how you see how there was the, the momentum there and so much of it was about being in the community and the relationships and and each of those pieces, which is incredibly powerful. Now, I'm curious, what's one value that's been your North Star through that journey that you hold dear? There's there's sort of a mantra, and it's, uh, it's courage, empathy, altruism. Because I want to be a good person. I think about it a lot, about ethics and about treating people the way I want to be treated and not being... You know, we're in Hollywood. It is an abusive and toxic world. And lots of people get chewed up and spit out of it. I've certainly had my share of abuse I've dealt with, you know. And I don't want to pass that on. I want to uh, be giving positive experiences to people. And that's part of the philosophy of the show itself, right? It's your late night show tonight. It's not my late night show. It's not the late night show tonight. It's yours. It belongs to you, not just the audience, but also to that host. It is really about giving that person a way to show off their voice in a way that they couldn't do unless maybe they're doing, you know, an hour of stand-up. Like, that's the only other kind of venue where a person could just be like, this is who I am in my personal sense of humor. So this becomes the lower stakes version of that. Someone is able to make a late night show. We bring together an entire writer's room for that person and... That, and you know, so many of these comedians say they've never experienced anything like that, where they have a whole team all gathered together with the same purpose of letting this person's voice shine. 
And so for me, it comes down to the mantra courage, which of course is about having will to do things, about stepping up and, and having confidence in your own voice and who you are. Empathy, understanding where other people are coming from, that you know, even when someone is having a bad day, it's oftentimes more about them than about you. And altruism, which is of course having the right intentions, having the intention of uh, making the art for its own sake and believing that uh, whatever ancillary successes will come without it but you know that it's uh that it's important to be true to who you are i love that that's so cool i, I when you when you say those three I, what comes to mind is chutzpah chicken mm-hmm. soup and chesed tzedaka yes. or maybe even kavana refer to like Put them into like Jewish phrases. That's really yeah, cool. Or, or even tikkun olam. I'm sure it's a, an overplayed idea, but you know, just the idea that we are here to leave this place better than we found it. Right? That's altruism, isn't it? That's a good point. So we're going with chutzpah, chicken soup, and tikkun olam. I love it. I'm in. That's amazing. Well, thank you so much for joining us for Career Up Now Socially Distance Close Ups podcast, and I want to wish you tremendous success in all your worthy endeavors. 